you're listening to The Private Citizen, a podcast for critical thinkers. This is episode 121 for Sunday, the 26th of June, 2022. Bits and Bobs, part two. Hello, everybody. My name is Fab. I'm your host. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Düsseldorf in Germany. Not come to you live once again. This is... Uh, somewhat pre-recorded and um, it's the final episode no not the final episode of the show it's the final episode for a while don't you know don't don't be squared there it's all good um, you know I'm going on a hiatus I uh, announced this before and um, yeah but before before I do that this I'm, I'm gonna do this uh, one more episode where I catch up to some of the topics we've talked about and uh, that I thought I should wrap up and um, kind of don't have the time to do individual episodes on them but on these topics but they don't warrant individual episodes either you know i'm just i'm just gonna do a bit of an update and then we're going to talk about julian assange we're going to talk about the drachenlord and of course uh the war in ukraine which is the big topic in the news still yeah um that's that's what that's that's the plan for this episode um i mentioned uh hiatus i'm i'm gonna be uh on the road a bit busy on the road again doing some trips doing things so um I, I basically won't be able to record any episodes um in the next few weeks so i i think i'll be back in august um probably around the time of the 10th i'll be uh, in a position where I, you know got more free time and i can record um episodes again so from then on we'll have regular weekly releases if everything goes according to plan um, again, but uh, until then, I'm I'm gonna drop off a little bit here uh, from the face of the earth. Um, I would like to extend once again. I mean, I talked about this last episode, but uh, extend my uh, sincere thanks to all the people who are supporting the show uh, while I'm not releasing episodes. That means a lot to me, and it's very important, um, you know, to keep the show going and to make sure it's gonna come back. So uh, thanks to all of you, and. Um, yeah, that's uh, that. Let's get into this episode. This is kind of the second episode that I did a, an episode called Bits and Bobs, uh, episode 39 uh, in September of 2020. This was uh, before I was going to move from Hamburg to Düsseldorf. And it's kind of the same thing. I had a little bit of a break and I thought I'm going to do some, throw some topics together. Um, so this is kind of, yeah, the same thing. So I'm calling it Bits and Bobs. Um, part two so um let's get into into the first topic for today shall we and uh the first topic i do want to talk about is julian assange um i talked about him um in episode 93 um basically in that largely um Hadn't really talked about that topic before on the show, even though it's like a big, you know, um, freedom of the press, free speech issue, of course. Um, in that episode, I largely talked about a story that came out about plans um, that basically became public by the CIA and in part by, by parts of the Trump administration uh, to assassinate Assange or at least, you know, there weren't definite plans. They were they were thinking about it, but the CIA was definitely tasked to develop some plans to do it, and um, they had some quite concrete plans, as, as far as I can tell, um, as far as we we you know figured out from those stories back then. Um, but of course, I also talked about. Um, I mean, at the po at the time when I talked up, when I did this episode, uh, which was last year, um, I think was it in October? Yeah, it was in October of uh, twenty one. Um, he was uh the the court case was going on right he's uh he's supposed to be extradited uh he was of course uh, arrested in the uk um because he had skipped bail um he was um under investigation for um rape charges in sweden then skipped bail and hid in the ecuadorian embassy which is where you know the cia wanted to or you know was tasked to to figure out how to assassinate him um but then he got kicked out of the embassy. Embassy got arrested. Now he's obviously uh, 
been charged in the UK for skipping bail, but he's, suppo- he's supposed to be, or he, you know, he was supposed to be extradited um, to the US, and there uh, he's facing, of course, charges of, uh, uh, you know, espionage um, for things he, uh, you know, he did earlier with WikiLeaks. Um, and at the time, you know, he had uh, he had appealed, and at the time, the court case was going on. Now this court court case is now ended. And um, the UK, uh, specifically the UK government, has now decided to extradite uh, Julian Assange. Uh, there was some news that he was like after the ruling, he was like strip searched, and now he's in on like suicide watch. Um, there were earlier news about him um, having psychological problems because he's been in, in um, you know, isolation, um, you know, single singular confinement for like you know basically the whole time he was, he was in jail and obviously he wasn't doing he, he wasn't living a much better life in the Ecuadorian uh, embassy so um, n- now the decision has come down to extradite him um, as the Guardian says um, in a in a, a column Guardian I don't even know who, who, who this was uh, Peter Osborne yes Peter Osborne uh, writing in the Guardian um, saying Murderers, torturers, and war criminals will be toasting the British Home Secretary Priti Patel tonight. Her decision to approve the extradition of Julian Assange turns investigative journalism into a criminal act and licenses the United States to mercilessly hunt down offenders wherever they can be found, bring them to justice, and punish them with maximum severity. Julian Assange's supposed crime was to expose atrocities committed by the US and its allies, primarily in Afghanistan and Iraq, during the war on terror. He's shown a light on the systematic abuse dealt out to prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. He revealed the fact that more than 150 entirely innocent inmates were held for years without being charged. He published a video of a helicopter gun of, of helicopter gunmen laughing as they casually massacred unarmed Iraqi civilians in an attack that killed around 15 people, including a Reuters photographer and his assistant. The U.S. declined to discipline the perpetrators of that atrocity, but they are pursuing Assange to the ends of the earth for revealing it took place. Um, this, of course, um, yeah, um, it's, I think it's interesting to just just revisit like these these early like war file. What's it called? The, the war files and you know the WikiLeaks stories about like specifically this video of. Um, U.S. Uh, soldiers um, shooting civilians um, from a helicopter gunship, um, and you know, killing that Reuters, uh, the Reuters journalist as well. Um, but um, you know, it's 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 very um, it's something I think we should all remind ourselves of, and we should remind other people about. Um, I was again recently talking to somebody uh, in in a social situation where there were you know we're talking about. Uh, the Russian, the war in Ukraine, you know, and they were going on about how, you know, the Russians are, what they're doing, like raping and pillaging and whatever, and how that is so unthinkable. And I brought up that, you know, that's just war. Um, and, you know, that the U.S. in some circumstances didn't behave themselves much better in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, you know, uh, my the, the, the person I was talking to said, you know, that's it's a typical whataboutism. And I said, well, you know, whataboutism is kind of like a, a slur that is uh, leveled against you when you're trying to, you know, logically look at the situation and try to appeal, um, you know, try to shine a light on double standards because these are double standards, right? Um, you know, not not wanting to justify what the Russians are doing. You know, the I talked about this before, you know, this air quotes illegal invasion. You know, I talked about... Uh, in a long episode, if you go to Private Citizen Not Press, you get, of course, the show notes for the, for the show, but also um, all the previous episodes. And I, I talked in episode uh, at length about um, you know war and justice and how uh, how there really is no illegal invasion because you know um, international law really isn't law like we understand it as citizens of a democratic state, right? And that, you know, war crimes are very subjective and war crimes trials are often held by the winners of a war. And how I strongly believe that, you know, the, the invasion of Iraq um, by the U.S. Was, was as illegal as the invasion of Ukraine by the Russians is, or as morally reprehensible, whatever you want to, you know, it was based on propaganda and lies, uh, just like the Russian invasion is. 
and you know it cost tens of thousands of people their lives and you know there were things going on like this where like you know american uh, people american soldiers just shot iraqis uh, you know totally innocent civilians because they were like you know looked at them like mud people you know the funny uh, towel hats we can just shoot them all um and and i reminded uh, this person also that obama um, who is supposedly, you know, such a peace-loving president was was having Tuesday meetings where he decided who to bomb and you know with drones um, in Iraq and Afghanistan and they were bombing or this in this case Afghanistan I think largely and they they were bombing like you know there was like a you know um, suspected war criminal or actually a war criminal or like you know a warlord or whatever at a wedding and there was one guy they wanted to hit. And you know, eighty innocent people, and they just bombed the wedding. You know, they just fucking cluster bombed the fucking wedding, and and dozens of innocent people died. And I don't think that is that is, you know, without wanting to get into a discussion, what is worse, it is reprehensible. Um, at a certain level, it is as reprehensible as what the Russians are doing. And I think this this shines like we need to these double standards need to be illuminated. Um, but now, because we now have, you know, Assange going to the US and being put on trial for basically doing what a journalist should do, exposing the horrors of war, um, just exposing the wrong side, right? If, if somebody like Assange was like um, blowing the whistle on, on, on the Russian soldiers doing this kind of thing to, to Ukrainians, he'd be applauded right now. He'd be get, you know, he'd get medals. And the only difference, there's really no difference in what he did. And, you know, discussions whether he's a journalist or not aside, that is, I mean, that's a, could do a whole episode on that, like, what's a journalist really? Uh, but, you know, it's it's just, it's such an incredible hypocrisy and, and, and double standards that are being applied that are just idiotic. And, you know, this, this, this extradition of Assange just shows how much free press really means to the governments in the UK and the US. Um, because they are both guilty here. Uh, the UK uh, could have decided not to extradite Assange, right? And 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 say, well, he really was, um, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer and I don't know about legal specifics, but I mean, we're, we're talking politicians here and they do have some leeway with shit like this. Um, I think they could have easily said, well, well, he was on trial here for rape allegations in Sweden that have long been dropped. And, you know, even if we prosecute him for skipping bail, um, like, that's really no reason to extradite him to the US to face spy, sarges, uh, spy charges that we don't agree to. Like, they could have easily said that. But I think they agree to these charges, right? Because... Our governments, even if they're like democratic governments, they're saying, you know, we're for press freedom. They're only for press freedom as long as, as, long as it doesn't hurt them, right? It's, as, as long as it doesn't hurt them. If it does, then suddenly it's not press freedom. Suddenly it's like conspiracy theories and, and, and misinformation and fake news. Um, and I think um, I read a piece in The Nation. They're also linked in the show notes, privatecitizen.press. Um where they said in in just in one subheading, just a subheading basically encapsulates the whole article very well. Um, they write, if President Biden really cared about press freedom, he would have canceled the extradition request months ago. Right? This is this is an extradition that was to to put Assange uh, on trial in the U.S. for espionage. And like, I don't know, traitorous, whatever. I mean, he's not even, I don't think he can, they can do that. He's only American. But, you know, like basically um, for, for espionage uh, is a thing, is, a, is an initiative of Obama. Right? This is all the Obama administration. Now, it does not surprise me that Trump didn't, really didn't didn't really really didn't surprise me I, could, I mean i thought he could have done you know i think i talked about this with mike at some point and i said well, if if by uh, if if um in the you know in the run-up to the election if if, if biden uh, if, if trump really wanted to to like stick one to biden and really 
fuck over the Democrats and really take like a lot of um, the wind out of the sails of like the 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 progressive people on Twitter. You could just pardon Assange, pardon Assange, right? And 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 not not have him extradited to the US or like take take the reason away for the extradition. Uh, but I'm not really surprised that Trump didn't do that because, you know, Trump obviously, I mean, Trump is a slime ball. Uh, I, I don't think I need to say that. But why didn't Biden do that? Like, what does, why does Biden, who is, you know, who, who, who talks a big game when it comes to freedom of speech and free press and, you know, being progressive and, uh, <laughs> like, what, why would he, um, like, what is the reason for him upholding a policy that was established by Obama and also endorsed by Trump? Like, what the hell? I mean, he was vice president of Obama, but, like, he doesn't he doesn't owe him. Like, he could have easily have canceled this. So I think what it means is that governments really don't care about f freedom of the press, right? They have to abide buy it and uphold it as long as the laws kind of force them to but whenever they have a free hand to crack down on somebody like Julian Assange they will do that and that really shows you what that's worth like you know it's very simple actions are, speak much louder than words it's a very old saying but I think it's very true like you have these politicians all saying well yeah we're all for freedom and you know we're fighting we're fighting misinformation we're fighting uh you know, the, the evil the fake news. I mean, you can have your argument with Assange and with WikiLeaks, but the thing he's going to be put on trial, that wasn't misinformation. That video is real. and There's nobody even, like, disputing that. Even the U.S. government, even the fucking U.S. Army isn't disputing that this video is fake. It's a real video, right? And people knew that that was going on before WikiLeaks and Assange exposed that. They just exposed it. They just showed it to the public. Just like all the NSA spying, you know, and Snowden, who is also sitting in Moscow, right, for the very same reasons. Um, yeah, it's just... It's sad. It doesn't surprise me, though, but it's like, it's sad. This this kind of shit is why I'm cynical, basically. <laughs> um... Anyway, Assange now being extradited. Um, we'll we'll keep it. We'll keep an eye on that story. Um, and um, yeah, we'll keep an eye out for him just mysteriously dying. I guess because I I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Well, all right, all right. I'll stop with the conspiracy theories. Let's go some some other controversial topic. Um, let's talk about the Drachenlord Rainer Winkler, Germany's most hated and one of Germany's most controversial YouTubers. I talked to him in several about him in several episodes. Um, go to privatecitizen.press. Um, if you go to this episode 121, there's tags at the top. If you click on Drachenlord, you'll find all the previous episodes. I also got them linked in the show notes directly. Last episode uh, I talked about him was 113, and um, this was when was this uh, in April, and um, uh, I basically talked about how um, like one I talked about several aspects, but one, one, the main uh, news was um, that he had been sentenced. Uh, that had been a, uh, this is like the second time he's been convicted, and there was a ruling which I talked about like last year. And now it went f to the higher court, and he'd he'd, he'd sent he'd been sentenced to one year on probation, which was a sharp reduction from the first ruling in this case. Um, but then the uh, state's attorney's office um, uh, were, did put in like a revision request, where basically uh, just uh, it's not about is like there's a another court looks at the court decision and. Um, if they say they, they just look at um, uh, like technical legal um, aspects of the case if like the other court made a mistake and if they did then there's going to be a retrial but they don't you know they don't look at new evidence and stuff like that um, and they don't interpret evidence or interpret the court's ruling they just look for like technical 
um, like legal legal procedure issues. And um, actually, the um, state attorney's office pulled the revision. So basically, the way it works, um, you say um, you put in a revision, and then you get like the files for the case, and then you have to file a, a, a written um, like request for revision. You know where you basically state your um, state the reasons, and they didn't do that. Um, took longer in this case because it took longer for like the, the paperwork to, to be finished, I guess, um, by the judge. Um, but um, once they had it, they looked at it and they said, well, I don't think this revision has any chance. This is what it looks like. So they dropped it. So this now means that the verdict is final. So this now means that Drachenlord um, only got a year on probation. Uh, I don't want to talk about what that means. Again, I did that in episode uh, 113. Um, go back and listen to that if you're interested. Um, I just wanted to update you on th- that this was going to happen. I kind of um, was kind of the opinion. I kind of predicted that this was going to be the case. Not that they, they dropped the revision, but that it wouldn't go anywhere and that the um, judgments would be final, which um, is what happened. Uh, meanwhile, what what's happened to uh, to the Drachenlord? <laughs> it's kind of interesting because uh, he's he's been um, actually not. Uh, not on YouTube much uh, because I guess he can't like kind of record vlogs or whatever and you know he doesn't the haters don't know where he is so he can't fucking like all his content is just complaining about the haters and 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 basically egging them on and uh, now he's got no contact with the haters pretty much so he has no content he did like one or two let's play videos um, without his face being on cam but that's about it um the other thing he's he's doing is basically creating porn videos on several like porn web websites, um, OnlyFans, I think Pornhub, I think My Dirty Hobby, some other ones. Um, they, the accounts have all been pulled, so he's it's, it's not had much success there. Um, pretty soon, these websites all kill his accounts. Um, but he also has a blogger uh, blog where he publishes uh, erotic stories that he writes, and he was also casting people to write erotic stories for him um, and one of the stories he wrote and published was um, of him in the role of a medieval lord you know when they were the first you know these these, these um, reprehensible customs were like you know the, the first night of the woman basically deflowering uh, the, the woman like belonged to the lord whatever and he wrote a story where he's basically raping well not basically in the story he's raping a woman um, that got a lot of flack, but mostly from haters, <laughs> who I can understand in this case. Uh, I mean, yes, it's. I mean, he was kind of defending itself, himself. You know, this is um, this is a, like a fetish blog, and you know, some people have rape fetishes. Um, and yeah, I have to actually, uh, I have to second that. I have to to to, to say, uh, Drachenlord is is right there. I actually uh, personally know uh, people. Who, who are like that, which is something you can't, like, this is not discussed, right? This is something that only a very small scene even, like, discusses, because if you talk to, like, a normal people from the street, they don't understand that. Um, and, yeah, there are people who are turned on by um, by being raped. Although, of course, it's kind of, it's a very interesting topic. Maybe at some point, like, you know, if you... I'm going to get to feedback section here in a bit. Like, And there's going to be, you know, go to Private Citizen Not Press. There's feedback details. If you want an episode on this, let me know. I'm, I'm prepared to, to do one because it's a fascinating topic um, because, of course, it's kind of like, um, of course, they these people have rape fantasies, but it's kind of like, in that case, it would kind of be consensual, right? But, like, it can't be specifically consensual because then um, it takes, like, the thing that turns you on in the fantasy away for, you know it, it's just like then it just doesn't turn you on anymore so there's a thing called meta consent it's all very complicated and it's, it's a fascinating topic and a thing that really not that not many people know about because it's not discussed a lot anyway so I'm gonna have to give him well I have to say he's right on that but still um, I don't know like to me, it's different if you are a person who's turned on by being raped and then writes a story 
in you know from your perspective like you know being raped whatever because that turns you on and you know maybe for other people who that turns on i think that's different than if you're a man and you're basically obvious it looks like you're being turned on by raping a woman and then writing a story about that um to me that is i don't know something completely different and um Aside from the discussion whether it should be something like this should be allowed to be published, I think it should be personally. But um, what I find interesting is that any other person on the fucking planet, especially in Germany, would have been immediately cancelled after doing something like this, right? Except Rainer Winkler, because he's Drachenlord, and for some for some reason he can do that, right? I don't know. I did, there's somebody asked Sasha Lobo what he thinks about this these rape stories, you know. The, uh, the German uh, columnist who defended Drachenlord and then also gave him like 500 euros uh, uh, in a you know in the stream like supported him with 500 euros or whatever um, because Sasha Lobo is the first guy to cancel other people if they do something like this um, it's just weird anyway um, aside from writing these stories uh, Drachenlord still has no home no home address, no driver's license because he can't get his driver's license back because he can't do the the so-called idiot test without having a home address. Um, but he's also hiding. He's in hiding. Nobody has seen him for a long time. And um, he himself uh, is pretending to be on Madeira. Um, everybody's pretty sure he's not on Madeira. Uh, people think he would probably have been spotted. You know, it's... He, the, the whole Madeira thing uh, has come about because several German YouTubers, inclu including Unge, who's one of the biggest German YouTubers, um, actually emigrated to Madeira. Uh, and, and Unge's living there. Um, I guess I think Drachenlord's watching him and think it's cool or whatever. Um, yeah, more, more trustworthy sources uh, have said that he's actually in the home of his former neighbor uh, in Altschauerbeck, right next to his old house, which they tore down, you know, the Drachenschanze. Apparently, he's living there and he can't go out because if people figure out he's there, then the whole hate thing's going to start up again. And obviously, the people in Altschauerbeck don't want that. They just had recently had a summer, um, like, um, summer party, huge summer party, outdoor party, celebrating that fucking Drachenlord isn't there anymore and they can now sleep at night. Um, which I think is great. Yeah, so that's that's the news with Drachenlord. I'm also going to keep an eye on that topic, obviously. Uh, uh, let's see, let's see where that goes. Uh, it's just, you know, this is one of these topics that is endlessly fascinating because you think you've seen everything. You think literally the guy sold his house, got, his house got demolished. He's like fucking been been hounded before. Then he rode around on, in a car he was hounded then all this shit happens and now he's done he like years ago he did like porn uh you know nobody really wants to see he basically films himself um penetrating himself anally with a huge dildo uh nobody ever wanted to see but he did publish that and then you think you've seen everything and then he just writes rape stories on his blog it's um it's so out there, it's so crazy that I more and more, I, I, of course it's silly, but you know, there's this, these people who think all of this is, or, you know, it's like a meme. They say like all of this is being written by authors and it's actually a very elaborate like reality TV show, like real, real YouTube show, whatever. Um, yeah. The more I see, the more likely I think that is. <laughs> Well, and with that, we leave uh, Rainer Winkler, a.k.a. the Drachenlord, and um, we go to our third and last topic for today, which is the war in Ukraine, uh, which I thought was uh, it was probably worth doing another update on this. I last reported on that topic in episode 115, which was also in April, the end of April. And, um, of course, quite a lot of things have happened. Um Generally, if you look at the um, the way the war's been going, I put a map in. I didn't have time to like update my own map. Put a map in the show notes at privatecitizen.press. 
by the ISW, the uh, Institute for the Study of War. Keep in mind that these guys are very much like kind of, um, I'd even say like almost neocon aligned in the US. Um, this is, they are reporting on this very, very much from the Ukrainian um, perspective. Uh, but, you know, even, even on their maps, you can basically see that the Russians are slowly winning ground. You know, even as ever since they gave up the um, northern um, front, like the, 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 the uh, attempt to capture Kiev, um, they, um, you know, and, and concentrated on, on the east and the south, they've been slowly gaining uh, ground. Um, so they've been pushing the front line to the west and the north um, and have captured, uh, just recently they captured Severodonetsk, with the, which the Ukrainians actually gave up. Uh, and I said they did, you know, giving up on this. And I guess now they're moving on uh, Lysychansk, which is just across the Donetsk from uh, Severodonetsk. Um, and yeah, it looks pretty much like what I thought this would be. And I've said several episodes ago, you know, like a long drawn out war, um, a uh, pretty much a um, a test of like you know staying power, um, you know, an uh, attrition warfare, pretty much, and something that the Russians um, are almost sure to win. I think, um, and by win, I don't know if you know capture Kiev, but like my, as I said, I think they just want the south and the east of the country, um, you know, maybe up the up the Dnieper River, um, probably not towards Kiev all the way, but like you know, they just want like the eastern part of the country, um, and I think you know. <laughs> If everything stays as it is, and I've said this before, with that I mean like the internal situation in Russia. So, you know, Putin not losing significant support and being able to like continue this war, um, then I think it's it's going to take years, but the Russians are going to win it because, you know, they have more material and more men. And any, um, any uh, war or any conflict like this, any... Um, attrition warfare like this it just comes down to that in in the absence of like an internal revolution right um, in the absence like something like the Russian revolution happening uh, in World War One, uh, where then the you know they withdraw from the war um, I think that is the only two factors that count it doesn't matter how much material and you know money flows into Ukraine from the west um, because First of all, it takes longer for them, you know, like with the, so the Germans, for example, have, um, have, uh, we have chipped the first, uh, PZH 2000s, like Panzerhaubitze 2000, uh, to Ukraine, which is like the, um, it's like a armored, uh, Howitzer. Um, it's actually quite, quite revolutionary, I think, um, as far as like artillery goes. It's basically a tank that is heavy artillery. Um, it's a, you know it's it's on the it's on a similar I think it's even might even be the Leopard 2 chassis uh, with just like a huge howitzer on top and you know they had to um, you know get get soldiers from Ukraine into Germany to train them to use these things um, and then get those guys back and then ship the the things to Ukraine which they have now done and that just like takes more time than I guess for the R Russians to just mobilize and just build tanks and artillery and um I think the Russians generally have switched from from their initial tactic, which was like, oh, we're just going to move in and they're going to welcome us as liberators, like as, especially in the east and the south of the country, which I think they figured out was a mistake. And they've now gone to the, the thing I also talked about episodes ago, which is, you know, the moat, the Russian army, specifically the Red Army. Uh, has always fought, which is just like severe bombardment of play, you know, of cities and, and and territories for weeks. Just basically bomb bomb everything, bombard everything, heavy artillery, bombard everything to a pulp, um, and then uh, you know slowly move in with tanks and 
and and and soldiers, infantry. And I think that's what they're doing now. They've switched to their to their normal mode of operating. And you know, this uh, you know, the ASW had some uh, specifically today and yesterday. They were writing about how the Russians have reshuffled uh, their command structure and that shows that the Kremlin's not content, you know, with the, how the war is going and that doesn't look like what you would do if you were winning a war, basically. Um, and I think that's certainly one viewpoint that might be correct. Uh, the other viewpoint is just, I think that they just switched to people who, who cha- you know, they, they um, now adapted belatedly, I, I would think. Uh, to the fact that this is now a very different kind of war and it's now attrition warfare and maybe that put some people in charge that that have more knowledge of this um, instead of the people they wanted there to just, you know, move in when the Ukrainians largely um, welcomed, welcomed them as liberators. So um, I think it's, it's very interesting to see from a press perspective how uh, still the Western press is very much on the Ukrainian line, even though sometimes that gets gets really ridiculous. I mean, in the last view, view, can't talk. It's like the last episode. I can't talk. I can't do podcasts anymore. These long breaks, they're not good. <laughs> um, how um, in the in the last few weeks, uh, the the official channels of Ukraine basically only had to report like we you know we lost ground here we lost ground there we lost the city there and and i mean there was like some and this was weeks ago um i don't know which city it was um might have been even when they gave up control of mariupol um completely um zelensky said something like obviously like this was like it's obviously ridiculous propaganda where they were like yeah we achieved our goal um, which was like to hold the Russians for a long time there, right? We knew we were going to lose the city. We achieved our goal to just like um, basically uh, sell our lives dearly and just like slow them down, which I guess, you know, that's a realistic goal, but it's like not a goal in like warfare, right? They said that if, if, as if they had just won a battle, right? You, you haven't won a battle. You've lost the battle. You're just like recoloring repainting with a propaganda brush that you fucking lost the city and saying yeah that was the plan all along right we already like if that was the plan all along if your plan was all along to lose that city you know you're just gonna lose the war that's not how you win wars you don't you know you, you don't go like oh our plan is to sell ourselves as dearly as po-. i mean you can have that plan um you know the polish had that plan in world war ii there's a good sabaton song about that but you know you know how that ended Right, the country was occupied very quickly. That's that's not how you like win, and it's ridiculous. I mean, it's not ridiculous for the Ukrainians to say that, or for Zelensky to say that, because that's his fucking job. Um, his job is propaganda now, um, and of course they need to say that. But like for the Western press to buy that, it's just like it's very dumb. It reminded me of um, like you know, comical Ali, you know the guy. Uh, there are no, there are no Western tanks in Baghdad, you know. And there's like fucking, you could in the video where he's saying that you could see like the columns of American tanks, like moving past, and like in the background you can see like from the uh, the palace in Baghdad you can see like the desert, and there's like fucking American tank columns moving towards the city. He's like, no, there is totally no American tanks here. We have we have uh, won against the infidels. We have we have hit back against them there are they are giving up and they're going home um <laughs> it's kind of like that and you know everybody was was laughing about that guy back in the day and and Zelensky's basically doing the same thing but now it's like yeah that's um that's probably what's happening yeah he's a good guy so uh he's probably not lying um yeah it, it's just it's 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 ridiculous um and with that, I, you know, I, I don't want to really, I, if you're Ukrainian, it's your job. Like, and I don't begrudge any Ukrainian to fight for their country. And like, you know, that's a very noble goal and, and, and probably more, um, a lot braver than I would ever be. 
um, you know, because I would just fucking turn and run if I saw the Russian army coming. <laughs> but, um, you know, so that is laudable. That is like a thing to aspire to. But like, I'm not Ukrainian, like, and the German press is not Ukrainian. And um, we, while, you know, we can be on, on their side and like kind of root for them. If you're a journalist, that's your job is to be objective. You have to be objective. And, and it's, it's one thing for the Ukrainian press in, in, in war, you know, in their own country to, to be like, yeah, we're going to win this war. Um, but like I expect from my press, and it's not only the German press, it's the US press the same way, the UK press the same way. I expect from European news outlets to give, give me a realistic picture of this war. Right. And if I read my news site, you know, the news sites right now, the public broadcasters, the, the private radio channels, you know, the, 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 the newspapers, no matter from what side of the spectrum, the political spectrum, you know, the TV um, news, they're all um, pa painting a pr picture that would, you know, not only like the brave fight of the Ukrainians, you know, which is true, but like they're painting a picture that tells me that Ukraine can win this war. And I don't know. I don't need to study history, I think, to 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 tell you that that's bullshit. Like, you know, I think you can see that without having studied history. Yeah, the Russians tried to capture Kiev. Yeah, they did a lot of mistakes in the beginning. And they, they paid dearly for it. And, you know, they had to give up that northern front. But now they're, like, encroaching. And, and, and I don't see how, you know, without entering, without NATO entering a full-scale war, which is what nobody wants, because it'll probably be nuclear war, World War III, um, I don't, I don't think how, like, I don't see how, how, how in a war, like, you know, it, I mean, there could be a revolution in Russia, there could be, like, Putin could be, could be deposed, all of that, yes. But like on the battlefield, I don't think I don't see how the Ukrainians can can win this, you know. And all the early propaganda battles, like the Turkish drones, now they all have to admit, yeah, now even the drones apparently don't work because the Russians are not entirely stupid. They've adapted their air defense to this, this kind of thing, and um, you know. It's a it's a very sad situation. It's it's sad on all fronts. Like it's it's sad that there's a war because wars are always terrible. Um, it's it's sad that the Russians have attacked Ukraine um, because I do like Russians. I do like the Russian people. I you know I like their culture. I find them very interesting, um, and I I find it uh, very sad that they have a government like this. Um, but it's also sad, you know, that the EU, as I said, you know, the EU and NATO had a hand in creating the situation. It's incredibly sad that we can't admit to that, that we're white, whitewashing our history here and we're saying, well, it's all the Vladimir Putin's fault. Um, it's very sad that our, you know, supposedly so independent press isn't independent enough to actually report what is obviously happening. You know, and is displaying obvious biases in one direction. Uh, this 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 whole thing is just sad all around. But um, that won't that won't keep me to from updating you on it, right? I'll continue to report the things um, that I don't see reported by others on this topic. So um, I'll I'll get back to it, I guess. Um, I'll probably get back to all of these topics that one point or another and you know we'll we'll i guess we'll reconvene um in august and then then we'll we'll see i've still got a lot of episodes on my to-do list that i've been meaning to do for months and i just didn't get around to so um, there's enough content i just need to get around to uh to producing these podcasts i guess <laughs> And with that, we get to the feedback section, um, which is a very important thing to me. Um, listeners writing in, um, becoming producers, commenting on the show. And in this feedback section, we only have one piece of feedback, which is very long. But uh, as is often the case with Necros here on the forum, um, a, a valued listen listener from Russia who is very intelligent, 
and you know listens to these to my episodes and and thinks about does exactly what I want from listeners you know think for themselves uh, thinks about them and then writes very interesting things about them and of course because he's from Russia he has a very different perspective which I value very much so I, I wanted to read all of, out of all of this and then also comment on it a little bit so in response to episode 119 um, which uh, was an episode about um, the pandemic right the called the authoritarian consequences of the pandemic um necros writes on the forum which is uh, forum.fab.industries link is also in the show notes um writes the following um message a great episode as usual i agree with most of the things you've said there was however one point you made in passing close to the end of the episode that i think i disagree with mentioning the russian soldiers in ukraine so we're still basically on that topic um, you said they were almost kids and brainwashed by propaganda, so they can hardly be held responsible. While I agree most of them are basically kids and brainwashed, and while I totally think people who are sending those kids there are to be blamed first and foremost, I think holding these soldiers fully responsible is the right thing to do. Um, and then he goes on, and I'm going to read out all of that. I just wanted to quickly interject here and say I think you misunderstood me there, um, which is probably not your fault, it's probably my fault for not expressing my thoughts clearly enough, uh, which happens a lot. Um, I completely agree with you. I, you know, I did an episode, uh, which, which I, I think you listened to as well, but like, um, I want justice where I specifically explain that I think all soldiers are murderers if they kill people. Like that's my personal opinion. Um, I don't understand how a murder on a battlefield is something else than if I just murder somebody else in, in a civilian society. Um, because to me, a premeditated killing of another human being is murder, um, and there's no uh, no buts about that, right? The but, like, this is, happens and war doesn't count. So I think these Russian soldiers, they're brainwashed and they're kids, and they're not responsible for being there. Um, but now that they are there, if they shoot somebody, they shoot some Ukrainian soldier or civilian, doesn't matter, uh, then they're murderers, and they should be... Um, blamed and they should be uh, held accountable uh, but the more interesting thing is that that cuts both ways right because I think the Ukrainians who are I think um, morally uh, right to defend their country still murderers if they shoot some Russians um, that are trying to invade their country right as I as I said on that other episode there might be a case where we need to change like where we where, where it's can be discussed that you say, right, okay, so this is murder, but in this case, as a society, uh, we say, all right, but you won't be punished for that because you had a very good reason to murder that person, right? Because they were invading your country, you were defending your country, and, you know, we as a society say that is a basically a just cause, and, you know, we can... Um, we, we, we could... Uh, we, we, can, we, can, we can, like, drop the charges basically right but to me personally if we're doing if this is like a moral ethical argument right i'm not i'm not i'm not discussing this in legal terms of course um but in a moral ethical context i think that's a discussion that can be had but to have that discussion we first need to all agree that it's still murder right basically i'm saying it's still murder but there might be good reason for it, so we will we'll drop the charges, right? Um, if there's a concentration camp and the Nazis are um, gassing innocent people, and the only way to stop that is for you as an American soldier to go in there and shoot the Nazis, then that might totally be morally and ethically justified, but it's still murder. And I think this think there's a good case we can say, well, we'll we'll overlook this in this instance, but it has to be clear that it's still murder, right? Be, how can it not be murder? How can a premeditated killing in one context be murder, not in another? It's completely arbitrary um, if it's a war situation or not, right? Um, because... I mean, there's like in Germany, I don't know what that, this is called in English, but in Germany it's like mort effect, like murder. What, let me see if there's a, uh, there's a translation for this. 
mod in effect. Uh, in the heat of the moment, it's called uh, in 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 law, apparently in English. Um, so and that's like you know you um, like you know your um, you your you you come into the bedroom and you know you find a, a, another man having sex with your wife and you hit him over the head uh, with a with the next thing you can you can grab and then he dies. Um, so that's murder. I mean, okay, there's a there's a definition if that was premeditated, but let's say it's you know, but that's the the, the idea that it's like what in fact means it's murder, it's still murder, but it you can get off that um, basically on the grounds that you didn't really premeditate it, or you know that there were exigent circumstances, or there, there, there's legal precedent for um, not being um, basically um, convicted of murder. Even though you be, it's it can be proven that you murdered somebody for for certain reasons, right? It it, it might be justified. So the, the discussion we need to have is that isn't murder in some situations justified? But we, as a society, I feel generally avoid this discussion by calling things that happen, calling murder that happens in warfare not murder. Um, even though it's the most murderous murder you can have, like if you're in the army, you just like there's nothing more premeditated than being trained for months to kill other people and then getting sent to fucking kill them, right? How how more premeditated can you be? It's like industrialized murder. It's like professional murder. People are trained to murder other people, um, you know. But it might be justified in some reason. Anyway, um, so yes, I think they should be held responsible. Anyway, um, let's continue with what Necros said. Um, I've been giving this question a lot of thought lately. Where should the blame and the responsibility lie between people who call shots and people who do the shooting? The, these situations are wide, wide variety, but I think each of them can be placed somewhere on a, on a single spectrum, and that spectrum has two extremes. On the one end of the spectrum is the situation where a pilot is landing a plane at a big international airport with a lot of traffic at nighttime, in bad weather and poor visibility. The pilot naturally has insufficient information and trusts the control tower with his plane and his passengers. If the control tower gives the pilot some directions and following those directions leads to a disaster like like a mid-air collision, all the blame and all responsibility goes to the control tower. The pilot is innocent, that much is obvious. The other end of the spectrum is a gang is a gang that robs a person in an alleyway. The gang does have a leader who calls this shot. But every member of the gang understands that what they're doing is a crime. When the gang is caught, the leader arguably should be punished more than the regular members, but none of the regular members should get punished less. And of course, getting excused is completely out of the question because they were told by the leader what they did. Actually, I don't understand this. Um, the, the leader should be punished more, but the members should... should oh but none of the regular members should get punished less. I actually don't understand if that's um, uh, a clever device or like, you know, if you actually mean they all should get punished the same. But anyway, that's a nuance. I generally agree with you with all of that. Um, uh, because they were told by the leader uh, to do what they did, every single one of them knew that they were doing, what they were doing was wrong and illegal, or at least were supposed to know it. Call me unempathetic, but a religious fanatic committing a crime because she was told so, to do so by her spiritual leader and a soldier participating in an act of armed aggression because he was ordered to do by his superiors are closer to the gang member than the pilot, in my opinion. And I completely agree with you on that, right? Uh, but I think it cuts both ways, right? That that also means that, you know, um, the Ukrainian soldiers shooting Russians are responsible. And should be held responsible. The question is how much responsible now how much should they be held responsible, right? So I think um in this specific case, the invading army um should be held a lot more responsible. Like there's a case for like the Ukrainian soldiers just doing what they have to do to survive and for their country to survive. Um uh, I think, you know, it's in, in this case, it's much more down to the government um, and to people like Zelensky to, you know, um, as I said before, um, to think about um, diplomatic um, solutions to stop to stop the violence and stop the bloodshed. And if that means giving up significant parts of the, the country, then that has to be on the table. Um, 
but that's a completely different discussion. Um, anyway, um, Necros continues uh, even more. In Russia and in some other countries too, as far as I know, a person who killed some, someone in a road accident is punished more severely if the person was drunk or on drugs. It seems unjust medically. When you're drunk, you have less control over your actions, so you should bear less responsible responsibility, right? But it makes total sense socially. We do do it to discourage drunk driving. The point is not to do the offender in not to do the offender justice the point is to keep others from even thinking of becoming offenders and i agree with that as well i i actually don't know if that's the case in germany um i kind of feel like it is i think in germany the way it works is um so if i'm in a road accident and if i kill somebody it's like ne negligence then i get um charged for that but uh, because it's also illegal to be under the influence of drugs I get charged for that as well, right? So I get more prison sentence because I was also because it's also illegal to be under the influence. I think that's how it works. Um, anyway, Necros continues. I think the same logic should apply here. A person who commits a crime acting as someone else else's tool should get more punishment, not less. Maybe unjust to the person, but it would be a good incentive for an average person to start thinking for themselves, to do their own research and make their own judgment. People are lazy and they tend to not care about things that, despite being important, don't affect their lives immediately. However, all through my life I've been finding that an average person starts demonstrating a surprising amount of common sense and critical thinking as soon as the decisions they're about to make has some obvious potential to severely influence their life. And Discordia be my witness, the world does not does need common sense and critical thinking in people badly. So we better discourage it any way we can, right? Um, I would agree with you on that. I think you are completely spot on on that now the realist and 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 realpolitiker in me um says well the, wh why that isn't happening is because of course the government needs that tool the government needs the army and if you punish people more severely for following orders then there will be no armies which i think is preferable you know i think we should have no armies <laughs> but obviously uh, the, the real world doesn't work like that And, and and this this flows together with my uh, uh, lamentation from before um from the assange point and you know also yeah mostly mostly from that where i said you know it's, it's these double standards and also from like talking about the war and war crimes right how how that the same standards don't apply right the same the standards um, that applied to the Nazis in the Nuremberg trials um, did not apply to the pilots of the RAF who clearly bombed civilian targets with incendiary bombs, right? Uh, who clearly perpetrated a campaign of terror against the Nazi regime. Um, or like the, not the Nazi regime, no, a campaign of terror against the civilians to hurt the Nazi regime. Again, there can be an argument that that was needed um, and that was a just cause doesn't mean if the one thing is a war crime, then that thing isn't a war crime, right? If targeting, you know, if the Nazis targeting civilians with basically weapons of mass destruction uh, is a war crime, then the RAF bombing Dresden and Hamburg and many other German cities with weapons of mass destruction um, you know, bombing civilians with weapons of mass destruction should, is also a war crime. Um, and if you, if justice is to be served, you need to at least have a trial. You need to put these people on trial. You can then say, well, you know, we have our moral compass says that this this was wrong, but it was an you know, a necessary evil to win this war, which had to be won for the great of all humanity, essentially. Yes, and then there's an argument to to be have, had there, but you need to put them on trial, which didn't happen. Um, so you know, this this comes to this is why this is why you have armies because then then what your army does in war is completely justifies justified what the other guys do is war crimes even though you know 
that's that's my issue with the term war crime. War crime implies that there's a, like a legal way to wage war, right? There's a good way to wage war, and then there's a bad way. And the Russians are doing it the bad way, and the Ukrainians doing it the good way, which is bullshit, right? So maybe not in this war, but it's very clear in 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 World War Two, right? Um, uh, you know, my grandparents, who uh, are, are both dead now, who lived through World War II and both had experience with the Red Army. Um, it's, you can say, well, you know, the Red Army entering uh, German-held territories in World War II, uh, they were like, you know, rape, literally raping and pillaging. They were bu- burning down civilian buildings they were raping they were shooting uh, fathers in front of their children and their wives and then raping the wives and then shooting the wives and just leaving the children there or sometimes also shooting the children um and you can say well that's horrible and that's unjustified but that happened in large part because the wehrmacht on their way to moscow a few years earlier did the same thing to the russian civilian population and that just completely and I would almost say beautifully, but it's war, so it's there's nothing beautiful about it. Um, encapsulates what war is and how it works. It's atrocities all around, um, and there is no war crimes because all of war is a crime. <laughs> there is no just war. There's necessary war, but it's always ugly and unjust. And always hurts the civilian population more than it hurts the people fighting in the war. And it hurts the politicians and, you know, everybody who has material interests in, in you know, in the countries that the wars are being fought over. Anyway, this is, I'm, I'm sorry, this is very depressing, but, you know, I think I had to talk about this, and I, th- I, I thank uh, Necros for, for writing this um, very thoughtfully. I agree with most of it. Um, I think there was a slight misunderstanding in the beginning, but it caused you to write this very thoughtful email, um, which prompted me to think more about things. And that's what I want. Please, please help out and, and write me. You can do it um, anonymously, you can do it in many ways. Go to privatecitizen.press. Details are on there. With that, um, there's only one thing left for me to do, to thank all the people who, um, aside from writing in, also support this podcast, all the producers who help out monetarily. Um, You can do that by becoming a patron on Patreon. There's a PayPal address. It's all in the show notes, privatecitizen.press. I won't bother you much with that today. I talk about this a lot. It also uh, explains, the show notes explain the value-for-value model, which is how this works. Um, Let me just quickly... um, end the show by thanking everybody who supported me and supported this show this episode in spe- specifically um, also in a time when I wasn't releasing episodes so I thank all these people um, specifically so um, I am in- indebted to George's Steve Hose, Rodain the Insane Butterbeans, Michael Small 1i11g, Jonathan M Yon- Yon- Jonathan M Hitai Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, IKN, Sandman616, Bennett Piata, Vlad, Rizal, Avis, Joe Poser, Kai Sears, Dirk Didi, Fadi Mansour, David Potter, Mika, Cam, Mr. Ramish, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, RJ Tracy, Barry Williams, Jonathan, Rick Bragg, Captain Eckhart, Astro C, Robert Forster, Superuser, D, No Reply, Crunkle, and Florian Pigosh. And also thanks to all my Twitch subscribers, even though I haven't streamed these shows uh, on Twitch in a while because I just couldn't make it happen. But uh, you guys also support this endeavor. So thanks to Mike Dedane, JonathanMH.com, RedeemerF, BaconThePork, Jonathan4747, and Saturio Purchase. Also thanks to Bindmark, uh, the British cloud hosting company at bindmark.co.uk, who are providing the hosting and the bandwidth bandwidth for this uh, podcast, and I couldn't do the show without them. Uh, 
And that's it for me. I, I will now embark uh, on several adventures, uh, on on a lot of work at home, um, on, on all this kind of stuff where I can't produce podcasts. So I, I'll be back in August. Um, until then, um, please send me feedback. Um, you know, discuss things on the forum. Um, and when I'm back, I'll, I'll, I'll and I have time again, I'll, I'll look at all of that. And then I'll, I'll do more episodes, preferably at least one once a week. Uh, thanks for listening. And um, yeah, uh, thanks to uh, Raul Kabazali. The uh, theme song of this show is called Acoustic Roots. And I'm going to play us out with a song called Dress Up by Walking Hearts. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, see you soon. And uh, please stay safe and stay sane. And most of all, uh, stay thinking and always aim to misbehave. Yeah.